Hello, I'm Tom Fenning. And I'm Peter Skerritt. And this is the Beckles Baptist Church Reading Together podcast. Uh, the aim of this podcast is to encourage us as we read a book together and to prompt further thinking and discussion on all that we have read. That's what the podcast is aiming to do. And today we are looking at chapter two of Enjoying God by Tim Chester. Um, As we said last week, both chapters one and two really serve as an introduction to the book. They are laying the foundations for everything that follows. Uh, And as a result, we'll find that the um, Mike and Emma example from the very start of the book isn't going to be picked up until we get to the end of chapter three. But then it will be run with from there. Um, So we're we're in chapter two then? Chapter Chapter two. two, And it's entitled Joy. So Tom, it might sound a silly question to ask what you think is the... A big idea of the chapter. Um, what do you reckon? The, the, the big idea is it's all in the title. And I think all of it is you open up the chapter with that simple question that's asked in the second paragraph, which you mentioned in our introductory podcast, mm. Do You Like God? Um, and I found that really perceptive. And if I'm honest, slightly unnerving. I was thinking that as, as I went through the entirety of Bible college, no one ever asked me, Tom, do you like God? Hmm. And I think it's an under-considered question. Do, do you have an idea of why, why that might be? I don't know why, why it's an under-considered question, mainly because it's an uncomfortable question to ask yeah. and to handle, um, because I think we can more easily think of duty when we think of being a Christian rather than actually just delight and joy. I mean, it almost feels like a slightly irreverent question to ask as well. Because yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's bringing a, set, a level of scrutiny to God. Do I like God? I have no, re- I have no right to ask or answer that question. Mm. But actually it does expose whether I feel that God is someone in whom I can take joy and delight. But that's, that, I think, is the big idea of the chapter. Mm. Um, so, spinning off that, mm. Tim Chester kind of unpacks reasons why joy is a really big deal in the Christian life, why actually liking God, not just loving him or obeying him, but liking and loving him and delighting in him is such a big deal. Um, Mm. Why is it a big deal? Yeah, well, actually, uh, before, he he gives a long list of reasons from page 27 onwards. Um, I actually was just very struck by just a couple of Bible verses he gave on page 26 to show that uh, actually it's not irreverent at all. Uh, Paul says twice to the Corinthian church and the Philippians, uh, we work with you for your joy. Uh, and in Philippians, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And yeah, I think I was just struck that that really gave me confidence for the rest of the book, that this is not an unbiblical pursuit of, mm. of something that we shouldn't really have, mm. uh, but actually something very biblical. So that was the main reason actually God intends for our joy in the faith. Um, but then he, he gives a number of reasons, uh, benefits of it. Uh, and one of them, I think you, you're quite good at notice that we, when we preach um, of just seeing that sin is a, a rival to God uh, and you're simply playing off one delight or pleasure against the other and then realising that if you enjoy God and love God and like God, then sin will just seem a little bit less um, attractive. Uh, so rather than just saying, don't do sin, uh, it's saying, you've got something much better already. That was just one of the, the benefits. The first one he flags up, mm. it helps us overcome temptation. And I, obviously, yeah, I've noticed that in some of the preaching that you've done yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. And I, I think he then talks about its impact on suffering and service and our witness and sacrifice. And it just seems that when someone who loves the Lord Jesus is joyful and mm. finds joy in knowing him, actually all the lights come on as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, everything starts being played out with power and verve and um, yep. yeah, willingness. Um, if, all the lights come on. But it's a page 29 at the just the end of it. He sums that up with the the diagnostic tools of questions. Uh, Do you often succumb to temptation? Uh, Does suffering and loss fill you with fear? Is your service like drudgery, witness like duty? Do your sacrifices feel like sacrifices? And if you're thinking, yep, 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 he's just saying, well, joy is what you need. Um, I thought that was really, that might be worth just sitting down and working through those questions itself. I think so. I think, and I think being ready to come back to those questions later on in the book, because the aim is that as we get to enjoy God, we might more ably to answer those questions, no, mm. rather than do you succumb to temptation? No, not often. Um, does suffering and loss fill you with fear? No, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got we've seen these great benefits, blessings of enjoying God, finding delight in him. Um, but there's a danger here, isn't there, that actually that we end up pursuing joy in God in order to get these secondary benefits, failing to see that there is a primary benefit that we need to aspire to first. What is that? Oh, as he says, page 30, enjoying God for God's sake. Uh, and halfway down, he says, Christians should be joyful and uh, not because of the secondary, though significant benefits that being joyful brings, but because we have reasons to be joyful. Uh, you know, we have God. That's why. Don't, don't be joyful because you think you should be. Uh, because you are joyful because of all that you have. And it, he kind of flags up the danger of that later. Um, I think it's page 31. talks about the, the danger of, kind of commanding someone to rejoice. Sounds a bit weird, uh, as if you can kind of muster it up. I will be joyful um, because it gets me all these benefits. And, and he just compares it to like a, a child feeling hungry. If a child's hungry, you, you'll say, get a sandwich, not stop feeling hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's much the same with God. If you lack joy, feast on, on God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's the, the, the real benefit of it, simply because you have a good thing to enjoy. Mm. So enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy him. Enjoy him, yep, yeah. good, good. Um, the, the chapter then concludes with this, this kind of picture of um, the book itself being described as an observer's book of God um, and just really helpful description of what Tim Chester is going to aim to do on page 33. This book is an observer's book of God in that it identifies the main ways in which God interacts with us each day. Um, I, I just thought this is just a helpful picture of saying, okay, what, what Tim Chester's going to try and do is that through each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, he's going to paint out how we interact with Father, Son, and Spirit each and every day. And to do that in simple and very applied fashion. So actually, if you're thinking, well, I'd, I'd love to be able to say I like God, but I don't feel like I know him well enough. We'll keep going, for the book will unpack for us great things about God. Um, 
Before we turn to just a couple of the questions, just to say, you might have found on, on page 34, there's a quotation from John Calvin. Um, John Calvin was a French reformer um, who lived back in the 16th century in Geneva in Switzerland. Um, and if you read that quote on page 34, you're likely just to glaze over because it is complicated and hard work. To have done what I've done, left which it is entirely an- Peter, Peter confessed to this. Um, <laughs> But it might well be that actually what you need to do is you need to read it slowly and with a pen in hand. And I think, just one little tip, go back and read that paragraph if you skipped over it and underline the following words. Surely it is the Lord who has inclined their hearts. Surely it is the Lord. And I think slowing down to look at quotes like that might just help you gain a bit more out of them. If even after doing that, it doesn't, then don't worry, just press on. Um, but you might, with a pen in hand and a little bit more time, actually milk those quotes for what they're worth. Um, one question to finish with. We're going to pick up one of the questions from the um, end of the book here, Peter. Um, the second question there says, do you like God? Um, and does it seem like an odd question? And I suppose just going to push that a little bit further and say, when are the times when it feels most natural to say, yes, I do like God, for you? Um, well, interesting for me personally, I think it's actually talking with other uh, uh, non-Christians, people uh, who don't know anything about God, and realising that as I talk about him, uh, I find myself enthusing about him and excited about him again. Uh, so for me personally, that has, that's why I love to do what we do on the market stall, mm. uh, just to to talk to people, um, and it helps you see the same things through fresh eyes, I suppose. Great. Um, Great. Yeah. Uh, you were saying earlier, though, uh, actually the benefit of just gathering with church family. Yeah, yeah g- yes. gathering with God's people on a Sunday for our Sunday services, I think helps me, because it just forces me to stop, and as we sing, to remind myself of great truths about who God is, as we hear his word read and proclaimed, as we pray to him, then it is delighting in God, and in part because we not just are taking time, but also because we're looking at the world through theological lenses. We're seeing God in our world, and the real challenge for us, and I think the help that this book will give, is it will give us a series of lenses, theological lenses, with which we can view the world so that we see how God, Father, Son, and Spirit interacts with us, not just at 10.30 and 6.30 on a Sunday, but actually every minute of the week um, so that then we have much more opportunity in order to enjoy God because we see that he is with us all the time Mm. and blessing us at every turn. That's certainly every chapter heading, in every pleasure, in every hardship, in every prayer, in every failure and so on, um, just shows us lenses for every life situation. And I think his example, Tim Chester's example of the allotment with the shed arriving and the red kites flying just helps give, I think, an earthed example of just someone enjoying God because he pauses to think and he looks at the world through theological lenses. And it's our prayer that as we continue to read through the book, we'll be enabled to do that. So that ends our third podcast on chapter two, kind of introduction to the book over. We'll be back next week as we press on with chapter three.